I th- I'm sure Kenny Pickett wants to be back on the field because he knows he's not put together a good season. But, you know, even before his injury, he didn't have a good year. And, he, you know, he wasn't having a good year. And so, you know, he wants to get back out there and, and make a case for himself going into the offseason. I mean, I know that Mike Tomlin has made it clear that Kenny's the guy and he's their starting quarterback and all these sorts of things. But if this season were to end, you know, with with an eight and nine record, everybody on that team at that point, minus three or four guys, should be considered fair game for their jobs. And I'm not sure that Kenny Pickett is is any safer than anyone else at that point. Welcome to the show. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, joined as I am each week by Kurt Popejoy. Kurt is the managing editor of USA Today's Steelers Wire. If you don't mind this holiday season, you can do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. Tell a friend as well. Spread the word. We really appreciate it. That support means everything. Uh, Kurt, how you doing, man? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. And we still have yeah. uh, we still have a season to talk about. So all good stuff. All good vibes right now, right? Yeah, still football for a few more days anyway. I mean, it's it's getting down to the wire at this point, but you, you love being able to talk about meaningful football late December, so I'll take it. Absolutely, and I think the big story as we record here on a Thursday night, we kind of stretched this out as long as we could. We're still not really sure what's going on at quarterback, though, Kurt. Uh, it sounds like if it were up to Kenny Pickett, he'd be out there this week against the Seahawks. Yeah. However... Mike Tomlin is uh, kind of talking up Mason Rudolph's performance against Cincinnati, and the kid did look pretty good out there, right? So what's your feel for what's going on here? Uh, Kenny Pickett, sounds like he wants to be out there, but it seems like right now as we speak, the favorite is Rudolph. Definitely. I think that the fact that Pickett still hasn't been able to go through a full practice this week, um, he talked today, said that it wasn't up to him, it was up to the trainers. You know, they, they would make the final decision whether or not he was he was cleared to play. Um you know, right after the game, Mike Tomlin had a lot of good things to say about what Mason did, said that he would he would prepare as if he were the starter this week and they would kind of let Pickett's um, participation dictate whether or not he would be on the field. Um, Friday is a big day for for the Steelers in terms of that. And since Pickett's been limited all week, hard to see him going through a full workout on Friday and getting the start. So, yeah, I, I, I think that fans are going to kind of get what they want. I think most fans want to see if Mason Rudolph can do it again. You know, they, they want to see if he can get back out there and, and provide that, that, that spark on offense that we hadn't seen all season from Pickett or Trubisky. You know, he, he gave us the best game that the the Steelers have played offensively probably all year. Um, had a couple of good games running the ball, you know, during those, those wins. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I, it definitely feels like, short of a miracle tomorrow and and Pickett comes out 100% that that we'll see uh Mason Rudolph play again on Sunday and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. I thought I thought Rudolph did a great job. I was I was surprised the way they controlled that game and just uh we were talking about this earlier just before we hit record. It's just, you know, so many coaches bench their quarterbacks or they go to with a quarterback change like the Steelers did changing from Trubisky to Rudolph and they say we need a spark we need a spark we need a spark but you know a few times that's just like that's just coach speak this time it actually happened like Mason Rudolph actually gives you a real spark he actually gave the team a a jolt because of the way he plays he he just brings a confidence uh you know just uh Tomlin called it aggressive you know the way he played at times and I I agree it was a, a huge breath of fresh air Tomlin 
riding the fence a lot, right? Saying Mason's got the ball to start yeah. the week. We shall see where Kenny is from a mobility perspective. You know how Tomlin is. So he's riding the fence, expert stuff. I wonder if he's thinking the same thing. I know Tomlin's not one to waffle back and forth, Kurt. You know, if Kenny Pickett's his guy and he said it, he's said it multiple yeah. times this year. I'm sure if Kenny Pickett was 100%, he'd be going there. But part of me wonders if, if Tomlin behind the scenes sense, thinks, boy, we saw enough from Mason last week to feel pretty good about him going against Seattle. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if between the lines, he's telling us one thing at the podium, but behind the scenes, he's thinking, ooh, I kind of want to see it again with Mason too, just like the fans do. Oh, absolutely. And I think that what that does is it just puts a lot more pressure. You know, this idea that the trainers have to have to clear Kenny Pickett to play and, you know, make that determination. Ultimately, Mike Tomlin's going to make that call. And so I, I can't imagine he's not going to want to see if they can get that same production two weeks in a row, just because of how important this game is, if nothing else. I mean, this is it. You know, you lost those three in a row and put you in, put yourself in this position. Why not do everything you can to give yourself the best chance to win? And I don't see how a, a, a Kenny Pickett, who's going to be rusty, even if he's healthy, gives him a better chance to win than Mason Rudolph does. I just, I just don't see it. For Kenny Pickett's camp, he took some risks by doing this tightrope procedure to get himself back as soon as possible, right? The Steelers wanted him back yeah. as soon as they possibly could. He's their guy, and he, he's been their guy. Uh, that's a procedure. Don't have any sources here, Kurt. Uh, you know, I, I speculate on here more than anything. I don't talk to people. <laughs> but I know that tightrope procedure is one that a team will push on a player to get him back sooner. It's not necessarily what's best for a player's long-term health or something they want to do. Uh, I, I know the Patriots had a situation like this last year with Mac Jones. He had a high ankle sprain mid-season. They wanted him to do the tightrope surgery, and he declined. He didn't want to. He didn't think it was a good idea. His camp kind of said they pushed back on it and said, no, we want to just rehab this and, and do it the, the longer way. And you know the team would never come out. Belichick were, or the team would never come out and say this, but I think it pissed off the team. And from there, it's yeah. been Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones. And does Belichick hate Mac yeah. Jones? And that relationship is unraveled. And it's to the point where Mac Jones is no longer their quarterback, although he's still on the roster. Yeah. You know, it's an ugly situation. I don't I'm not predicting that happens with the Steelers, but Kenny Pickett played ball on that surgery. He got it right away. He feels like he's ready to come back as maybe he's not 100 yeah. percent, but he feels he's saying he thinks that he could come back. And from a 30,000 foot view, it just feels like the team would rather go to Mason Rudolph based on that that yeah. game last week yeah. than go to an injured, maybe not 100%, maybe rusty, as you said, Kenny Pickett. And you have to wonder what Kenny Pickett's camp thinks about that, even though they're saying the right things to the media. You know what I mean? I th I'm sure Kenny Pickett wants to be back on the field because he knows he's not put together a good season. But, you know, even before his injury, he didn't have a good year. And, he, you know, he wasn't having a good year. And so you know he wants to get back out there and, and make a case for himself going into the offseason. I mean, I know that Mike Tomlin has made it clear that Kenny's the guy and he's their starting quarterback and all these sorts of things. But if this season were to end, you know, with with an 8-9 and nine record, everybody on that team at that point minus three or four guys should be considered fair game for their jobs. And I'm not sure that Kenny Pickett is – is any safer than anyone else at that point. Um, and I'm sure he's thinking about that and his camp's thinking about that too, is you need to get back out there and put together a couple of good games here to end the season. Um, and, 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 you know, make that the last thing the Steelers see is, is what is that you can be productive. But when you've got a league, I was looking at this today, when you've got a league, 
that a third of the teams in the NFL are starting backup quarterbacks this week. Wild. Because of injuries. I mean, that or, that's remarkable to me. You know, it, it, 13 teams are starting backup quarterbacks this week. And that's just, you know, if you're a starter in the NFL, you, you want to be on the field because you've got guys like Joe Flacco and Mason Rudolph and Jake Browning going out there and having big games and, you know, playing well. And if I'm a starter and I'm not locked in, if I'm not a Justin Herbert or a, or a Joe Burrow that knows, you know, I'm going to be back and I'm going to be as good as I ever was. I mean, it's got to make any starting quarterback a little bit nervous that they can't be out there making a case for themselves. Do you think, uh, you know, if Rudolph, even if, you know, he plays one more start here, Kurt, and he does well, and then they go to pick it for Baltimore next week, do you think he's done enough to be in the Steelers' plans for next year? Do you think he could be their number two quarterback next year? They're you know, immediate backup. I know the fans love this player. He made the Steelers wires list of top 2024 free agents to bring back. Uh, do you think, yeah. that, you know, that's something that Rudolph is showing the team that he's capable of being the top backup next year? I definitely do. And I, and I think it's made even bigger by the fact that he could be considered a bargain compared to Mitch Trubisky. You know, I mean, you, you've got Trubisky next year, you know, set to have a, a cap number of seven and a half million dollars or whatever it may be. But you can cut him and save, you know, more than half of that. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Trubisky has has proven nothing during his time in Pittsburgh. You know, he was signed day one of free agency two years ago. Um, it was a it was a rushed decision. It was a it was a bad move for the Steelers from the beginning. Um and I, I can't see any way he's on the team next year, but I would definitely roll with Mason Rudolph next year unless the Steelers decide to go out and draft a quarterback. I mean, if they if they really decide to overhaul things, they lose these next two games and the Roonies decide to move on from Mike Tomlin and a new head coach comes in, all bets are off. But I think if Mike Tomlin returns, I, I think I think Mason Rudolph could have a could have a place on the team at that point. But if, if Mike Tomlin's not there, then all bets are off. Yeah, it's a good segue into you know the next topic I wanted to throw at you, Kurt, and that is Pro Football Talks. Mike Florio came out and reported that the Steelers uh, were have been planning to extend Tomlin this offseason. Uh, they have no desire to make a change at coach uh, in terms of ownership. They um, they've actually they're they'd like to get the deal done before next season begins. They are already involved in roster planning from this year and the year after, quote-unquote, according to Mike Florio, Kurt. So I know there has been some speculation. Is this the end for Mike Tomlin? I know fans are sick of finishing the season at 500. You know, like the Steelers, we'll get to the game against uh, the the Seahawks here in a minute, but the Seahawks, the Steelers are almost guaranteed to win because they're not going to finish below 500 this year. It just doesn't happen. So you just know, right. you know, they just, they just, it never fails. But fans seem yeah. to be sick of being stuck in football purgatory, right? Like 500, but not a legit contender. Uh, so I know fans may be mixed on this, but Florio's report that the team has no plans or no desires to make a change. What do you think about that? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't think that the Steelers front office has ever been, or their ownership has ever been a, a group to make a change for change sake. So it makes sense to me. I, I said this, I, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago, you know, reasons that they shouldn't fire Mike Tomlin, you know, and that got a lot of people upset that how could you possibly, you know, defend what he's done and, you know, 
I, I absolutely see where ownership would be coming from if they decided to extend him rather than cut him loose because this is this was really the first year of Omar Khan as the general manager. And I think that's probably the biggest thing in all this, you know, he he's built a pretty good young group of players through the draft this year. Um, next year, I have no reason to believe that there won't be another really good draft. Um, so I think they're going to going to have Mike Tomlin, you know, extend him and, and give him that opportunity. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, I, I kind of feel like that Mike Tomlin's, you know, his window with the Steelers is going to fall kind of in line with TJ Watt. I, I kind of feel like when TJ Watt's kind of in his prime window right now, and I think that that's where they're going to let Tomlin sort of play things out and, and see where things go. Um, but again, it, it's all going to come back to the quarterback. You know, he's going to have to make a decision on whether or not he thinks that he can win with Kenny Pickett. And that's ultimately if, if the team, the ownership has confidence in Mike Tomlin to extend him, his his job is going to be to determine can can he get over this hump you know there's a lot of fans out there of a lot of teams who would love to be just over 500 every year and in the mix for the playoffs i mean they're they're bad football teams in the nfl and the steelers aren't one of those and but for steelers fans the expectations are different and that's that they're not always realistic i think in an nfl where you've got what 14 teams or 13 teams in the AFC that are within a game or two of 500. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's just an, it's, it's a battle of attrition sometimes to get through the season healthy enough to, to be a Baltimore or a Miami or a Kansas city or whatever the case may be. And Pittsburgh just didn't have that this year. They just didn't have it that this year. And I think that the ownership probably looks at that and goes, you can't put that at Tomlin's feet. And I, I, I respect that. All right. Fascinating stuff and stuff we'll be covering here as we head into the offseason, but we got Steelers at Seahawks. It's an interesting game. Both teams have the same record. They're both desperately needing a win to stay in the playoff hunt. Kind of evenly matched teams, Kurt. This is a, a fun matchup. We'll be back here in just a second to break it all down. But first, if you're in your fantasy football championship, congratulations. I lost on one seven-yard catch at the end of the game by Brandon Ayuk. Oh, I got knocked out. It was painful, man. That was a painful, painful Christmas night. Uh Brandon Ayuk got me, but hey, that's what happens. Lost by less than a point. I hope you all survived, and if you're still in a championship, congratulations. Here is some advice for Week 17, and we'll be right back. Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com here with strong plays for Week 17. If you've made it this far, you're likely playing for a fantasy championship, so best of luck in your bid to secure a title. Quarterback Derek Carr, New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carr has quietly come alive in the last couple of games despite being on pace for his worst fantasy season since being a rookie. He has multiple touchdown passes in three straight games and three in each of the past two contests. Tampa held him to a laughable 6.5 fantasy points on 37 attempts in week four, but the Bucks have yielded the fifth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks on the year. In the last three weeks, this matchup is 26.1% better than average, and the likes of Desmond Ritter and Jordan Love have each topped 22 fantasy points. On the year, Jared Goff, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy, and C.J. Stroud all have gone north of 30 against the Buccaneers. Carr is a pretty safe bet for at least 22 to 24 fantasy points. Running back Javante Williams, Denver Broncos versus Los Angeles Chargers. We should see a little more reliance on the running game, with this being a favorable matchup and the benching of Russell Wilson for Jarrett Stidham. The Bolts have allowed backs to average the 8th most yards per game on the ground, and three scores in the last five weeks have come against this defense, including one to Williams in Week 14. 
The season-long outlook heavily favors the Broncos here. Only eight teams have been softer versus the position, and this is a good matchup for checkdown bonus points in PPR scoring. Wide receiver Curtis Samuel, Washington Commanders versus San Francisco 49ers. Samuel has been a lot of all or nothing in the last two months, going for just three points in the most recent contest. He has only two touchdowns since week six, both of which came in week 15. Fortunately, one of those came from the hand of Jacoby Brissett, who has been named the starter versus San Francisco. The matchup is not terrible, and there's obvious reason to expect the Commanders will be forced into a pass-heavy script here. Consider him a risk-reward wide receiver 3 in deeper playoff leagues, and he's also a nice pivot for a cheap punt play in DFS. Tight end Jake Ferguson, Dallas Cowboys versus Detroit Lions. Ferguson's role has been impressively consistent with exactly 8 targets in each of the last 4 games. He has a floor of 8.5 PPR points in that time, and that's actually a little more impressive with just one of his last 25 catches going into the end zone. The Lions have yielded tight ends two scores over the last 21 catches granted, which checks in as the 12th highest ratio. The overall matchup profiles quality, but it's also stronger in non-PPR scoring, so keep that in mind. This one could turn into a shootout, which adds a little bit of hope for a bigger day than expected. Happy New Year wishes from everyone on the Huddle staff. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we are back. Uh... Kurt, when I was a kid, I remember watching uh, a Patriot. It was 2021 the, or 20, 2001. I'm sorry. The Patriots went on their Super Bowl run. Brandon Cox made this big hit over the middle that's still celebrated to this day. People say that the Patriots that spurred them on to that championship season, you know, in 2001. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that block by Jalen Warren is in the same the same breath, but we could talk about Mason Rudolph giving the team a spark, but that block on the uh, what was it? The end around there, uh, touchdown yeah, for Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin, right on the end around. That block was a tone setter, and sometimes oh. plays like that not only lead you to a big win and kind of set a tone for a win, but they set a tone for a run of wins. And I'm not saying I'm not predicting that's going to happen, but I've seen it before. You know what I mean? And that was that was a hell of a play by Jalen Warren. It's being celebrated right now as we speak all over the place in social media and. As it should, right? That was pretty sweet. That play alone should get him team MVP. I mean, he that you know all year <laughs> long he has been the one. I mean, the man has been fined like full game checks for making blocks and pass protection. Um, never complains about it. Just goes out and just does his job. And it, it was the the epitome of perfect timing from the week before. <laughs> yes, where he he gets snubbed on a touchdown because George Pickens won't block for him then to go out and just blow a guy up so his teammate can score and then to follow that up earlier in the game when George Pickens gets a long touchdown pass the first man down to celebrate with him is Jalen Warren Mm -hmm. you know I mean he is the ultimate team player he he is he's the ultimate you know blue-collar hardworking, does everything you need him to do. Um, yeah, that that play, when he, when he came around that edge and and hit that guy, it was like the planets had lined up and that opportunity presented itself to him and he was not going to pass it up. And it was it was great. It was great. <laughs> Cannot see that highlight uh, enough times. He is a yeah. hard player not to love. It's just hard not to love that player. And I just, just had to bring that up. And we'll see if it gives the team a little bit of uh, momentum here as they head uh, to Seattle, tough place to play, Kurt. Uh, Seattle. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the Seahawks team is a great team by any means. They're they're eight and seven, just like the Steelers. They need a win to stay in the playoff hunt, just like the Steelers. I think they actually control their own destiny right now. I think they're in the seventh spot and not tied with anybody. Yeah. So, 
uh, or not tied with anybody behind them, right? So they can win out and be in the playoffs. They've won back-to-back games against Philly and the Titans, but they had their own losing skid, just like the Steelers did. They lost four in a row. Uh, tough little team. They beat the Eagles with Drew Locke under center. I think that shows the toughness, right? And yeah. again, Seattle's a hard place to win, but I don't think the Seahawks are that much better than the Steelers. So I think this is an interesting yeah. matchup, but what's kind of your gut feeling about the matchup? Just lead us off here. Yeah, I mean, their they're offense, you know, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, their rankings aren't great. They're they're near the bottom. Their de- defense is in the bottom in, in yards allowed and points allowed. And, you know, their their offense doesn't score a ton. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that this late in the year, you know, you're just trying to hold your team together. And I think that's one of the things they're well coached. Um, they go out and play hard. You know, they've, they've had to deal with some of their own – their own problems as far as personnel stuff and injuries and things like that. And, um, you know, the, the, they're a, they're a a tough football team to scout because they've had to shuffle a lot of guys around and you don't really know who's going to be out there. And, and uh, I think uh, the walkers miss some, some games and they've got the rookie from, from UCLA at running back Charbonnet. That's pretty good back. Um, I'm sure they're going to want to come out and run the football. And so I, I think it's going to be kind of a grinder of a game. I think both teams are going to want to run the ball. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see them as, you know, they're, they're not, I don't think Pittsburgh's overmatched this week by any means. You know, I think last week, you know, Seattle had to travel cross country to play. Now they're coming back and Pittsburgh's got to travel across country. That's one thing that really doesn't get talked about a lot, but Steelers don't travel much. You know, this is kind of a rare occurrence for them to, to travel as much as they have this year. And this late in the year to be making a trip all the way across country that could, could play a role in this. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't think Seattle's noticeably better at any position than the, the Steelers are. I think it's who can field the, the healthiest team on Sunday and, and, you know, put together the the cleanest 60 minutes of football, really. I think both teams have been prone to some mistakes this year. I think that's part of why the Steelers lost three in a row and Seattle lost four in a row. It was just, they they all played some ugly football for a while. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, I I think Seattle has a scenario where if they win and some teams lose, they could actually clinch a playoff spot. And so I don't know if that's going to figure into it for them. Pittsburgh can't. Pittsburgh can only lose ground this week. If they win this week, they still have to wait. There's nothing, nothing can help them, you know, this week. Um, They've got to win both games. And so, but I think Seattle's got kind of a weird scenario where they could actually clinch on Sunday. So they're probably going to want to be doing that, you know, playing for that. So it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a a pretty fun game, kind of an old school football game. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a close game all the way through. I don't think either team's getting away from the other. Uh, I definitely don't think Seattle's going to blow out the Steelers. I agree with you. Uh, I do. do. Uh, The line is Seahawks. They're favored by three and a half. It opened at three. It's moved to three and a half. So a little bit coming in on Seattle's side. I actually like that number for the Steelers at going to three and a half. That move, Kurt, you get the the hook. So now, you know, if you're betting the Steelers, you lose by a field goal. I think it's that kind of game. I think it's to your point, close in the fourth quarter. Who doesn't screw it up? Make a big mistake at the end. You know, who takes care of business, gets the big drives to win by a field goal. You know, either way, I think it's that kind of game. And one thing that's interesting is the total here. The over under is forty one. 
The under is five and one in Steeler road games this season. So the Steelers tend to play lower scoring games on the road. And Seattle is, you know, you you mentioned this as well. They're very similar to Pittsburgh in that they don't score a ton of points. They average 21.3 points per game, 19th in football. Steelers are bottom five at 17. Uh, Net yards per game, Seattle's 22nd, Pittsburgh 26th. Uh, So when you have a total this low and you probably have Geno Smith versus Mason Rudolph, I think it makes sense to just to take the points, you know. So I'll take the, yeah, I'll take I the agree. three and a half expected ugly win. Would not be surprised if Seattle wins by a field goal uh, in this one, but I also yeah. would not be surprised at all, Kurt, if the Steelers pull it out as well. But I, this is a hard one to predict. I, I just on the spread, yeah. I'm taking the Steelers side. I think you know you get that that gravy at three and a half uh, to yeah, lose like by a field that. goal, still cover. But uh, this is a hard one to predict because I think it's going to come down to to your point. Who survives the game, doesn't lose key players during the game, who gets to the fourth quarter and executes the best. Seattle's tough at home. Uh, that's that's one of those stadiums that I still think is, you know, a true home field advantage. I think home field advantage is becoming a myth in the NFL, but not so much with Seattle. You know, that that place still feels like a tough place to go win. So maybe they have a slight edge there, but I like the Steelers' chances of keeping this close and maybe maybe pulling one out and keeping this thing going for another week. I think, I think they got a good shot at it. I, I do too. I mean, I definitely would take the points, but I do think that, that Pittsburgh's got a shot here. I, I really last week, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was false hope. Maybe they're just getting all our hopes up just to, just to come crashing down this week. But I, I saw a different team last Saturday than I'd seen the three weeks previous. You know, I saw, I saw guys playing a lot harder, um, playing with a lot more intensity urgency. I think, I think that was one of the big things is you saw defensively, you saw guys making plays, you know, Mm -hmm. three different players get interceptions, guys straight off the practice squad, getting interceptions. Um, You got fresh bodies out there that are looking to, to get a contract for next year. And so, yeah, I think it's gonna be a good game. Let's do it. Gonna be an old school Pete Carroll versus Mike Tomlin. Let's go. You know, it's gonna be yeah. a fun one. Yeah. Uh, one more stat to throw out. Just just throw out there. Uh, the Seahawks. They've won eight games. Five of them have been at home. Uh, so this is where they do their business. So it's gonna be a tough game for the Steelers. <laughs> I think they could definitely pull it out. Uh, Kurt, you're gonna be working on New Year's Eve. So for Christmas Eve. Oh yeah. Christmas Eve. Now New Year's Eve. Hopefully you get a chance to go out and celebrate a little bit, man. But I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. continuing uh, more success on the podcast with you in 2024 man we're almost there happy new year to you man and enjoy some football this weekend will you yes sir yes sir happy new year so and the same to all you listeners out there we really appreciate you you're the best thanks for holding on with us spreading the word again rate review subscribe that's how you can support us we really appreciate it especially here towards the end of the year we'll be back next week to break down Steelers seahawks hopefully Talk about some playoff clinching scenarios in week 18. We will talk to you then.